All right, we are live again at the Magical Crypto Conference. We're here with uh, Caitlin Long. Hello, it's, it's great to meet you. Thank you. So, why the Magical Crypto Conference? What brought you out here? Oh my gosh, uh, this this the lineup here is just amazing. I'm I'm actually here today to attend something I don't get to do very much. I'm speaking tomorrow, but they're just the lineup here is just stellar. And it's a smaller conference, so uh, this is a great conference week, as you know. Uh, I've already spoken at Fluidity and Ethereal. Both of those were amazing as well. Uh, but I specifically wanted to make sure to help out with Whale Panda and Fluffy Pony here. So I, kn I know you're pushing kind of new legislation in Wyoming. Is that correct? And I know you've made some decent headway. You kind of want to give the, the quick the quick once over on, on the progress you've made so far in, in Wyoming? Well, we got 13 laws already passed in the last two legislative sessions and over the last 15 months or so, uh, and we're not done. And one of the things that Wyoming is looking at doing next year, not done yet, but next year, is, is providing some sort of safe harbor for open source software developers, because we can see this clash is coming. And, you know, the, the, the privacy coins like Monero are going to be right in the middle of some of the liability clashes. Uh, just yesterday, FinCEN put out some guidance that gives FinCEN the ability to essentially say anybody who trades anything for value is a money transmitter under the United States and, and potentially subject to criminal liability. They haven't used that yet against open source software developers, but we all can see that it's coming. So one of the things Wyoming is looking into is what can a U.S. state who wants to attract companies to the state do to protect the software developers for merely writing code, which is at the end of the day speech. Uh, to be clear, the FinCEN rules say you can write the code and you're not liable if you write it, but if you use it to exchange value, that's when you become a money transmitter and have to register. How many people write code and don't ever use it? So that's not a very useful distinction. Right. So uh, yeah, it's so it's kind of scary times, right? Because uh, people are a little bit unsure uh, of, of where these things will go. Um, what do you think it's going to look like in the United States in the next five to 10 years in terms of crypto regulation? Well, I think the, the coattail effect is already really starting in Wyoming. Every time I come to one of these conferences, people come up to me and say, I moved my company to Wyoming. We're starting to actually get the companies on the ground. Um, Jesse Powell showed up again in Wyoming and he let that be known publicly. Uh, Jeremy Wood from IOHK also spent time in Wyoming. Um, Christopher Allen, Steve Sprague, these are some very, very well-respected people in this industry who are publicly helping to guide the next round of legislation. So what I think is going to happen is, believe it or not, Wyoming is actually going to be the, the epicenter of this universe. It's the only state that stepped forward and said, we really want this universe, uh, this, this industry to come to our state. And that is, you know, we have already opened up that axis of conflict between state and federal laws and we're doing everything we can under state laws to give this industry the welcome it, that it needs from a regulatory perspective that is not to say that Wyoming is inviting fraud the fraud protection that Wyoming has is very strong you are you are going to have to register I know folks don't like that but the idea for that is if you register to use for example the utility token law in Wyoming all that does is it gives the prosecutors a name and address if they need to prosecute for fraud. It's just the same reason, same reason why when you set up a business entity, you register. It's all about what's called service of process for lawsuits, and that's all. But 
that means then that the state prosecutors have the ability to go after the fraudsters if they do come into Wyoming. So it's, but, it, but I think even the hardcore, most hardcore anarcho-capitalists would agree that fraud is something that is a legitimate protection uh, that, that we expect of, of governments. And that's pretty much it. Wyoming has a, has a light touch regulation. There's no regulation on crypto to crypto transactions uh, for, from a money transmission perspective. The exchanges do not have to be registered in Wyoming. And very important, there are no taxes on crypto in Wyoming. So it's it's as friendly a place as this as this industry is going to find within the United States. I might have to move to Wyoming. What's uh so what's kind of the philosophy that drives your beliefs and the policy that you're trying to create? Um, fundamentally, what what's your take on crypto in particular, Bitcoin and Monero? What's kind of like the the fuel that's that's burning your fire for helping this legislation pass? Well, it is a combination of things, but first and foremost, it was my personal experience. I spent 22 years on Wall Street, discovered Austrian economics after the financial crisis when I figured out that the mainstream explanation didn't make sense. And that's when I went deep and, and broad on, on alternative schools of economic thought. And it was through the Austrian school that I concluded the Austrians are basically right. There's a lot about Austrian scholarship that is outdated. Um, and the, the reason why so many were, were saying hyperinflation, hyperinflation, and it didn't happen when the Fed expanded its balance sheet was because they don't understand how the, main, how the modern financial system works, but the Austrians have the basic insight right. And, and it was through the Austrian school that I discovered Bitcoin at a relatively early time, not by developer standards, but certainly by Wall Street standards. And then inside Wall Street, I, I, I know where some of the bodies are buried. I've personally experienced some things that were where there are there were shocking ledger inaccuracies, shall we say. I don't trust my brokerage statement, and I don't want to have all my assets in that traditional financial industry anymore. And for years, I was actually pretty upset about it because we were all basically trapped. The only thing you could do was buy, you know, collectibles and real estate, um, precious metals, jewelry, etc., art. Um, but now we actually have this other alternative, and it's a true financial asset, and I'm so optimistic. And I support all of the experimentation that's happening in this industry. I'm better than anybody else. What coin is going to win? But I, I, I love the fact that they're some of the smartest people in the world are helping us to ensure that we have our own financial freedom. We need it. So do you, do you have an opinion on... Um the fact that so Bitcoin that it's 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 on a transparent uh, you know it, it's transparent ledger right uh, which I guess is kind of a been sold as a good thing right so for the legislators I mean it's it's kind of the the best argument right so uh, you know we don't have to worry about crime in fact it makes things more more traceable um, so do you think that's ultimately a good thing for Bitcoin or do you think we need to arrive at a protocol? that has fungibility and privacy built into it. Well, you're, you're hitting right on this whole question of the Bank Secrecy Act and the regulations from FinCEN that were released yesterday. I believe in privacy. I, I believe the cypherpunk approach to the world is, is mostly right. And I actually think the Bank Secrecy Act is unconstitutional. I've been writing about that on Forbes for the last several months. Uh, and this industry is ground zero for the challenge to that. Uh, there is a group of us who's interested in, in, in putting together some folks to actually take that on. And, and for the more wonky types who are listening, the reason I think it's unconstitutional is the Carpenter cell phone metadata 
data case that came out of the Supreme Court last summer, it, the, the lower courts upheld what the cell phone companies were doing in basically allowing a government dragnet of all of our private data based on a case that in 1977 up, upheld the Bank Secrecy Act. But back then, the banks all only collected name and address. Now they're collecting name and address and customers, customers and the travel rule and know your source of funds. And then on top of that, the banks now have a reputation score. And of course, this industry is deemed high risk. So there are so many things that have expanded since that 1977 court case. And reading the Carpenter decision on cell phone data, it's pretty clear that the Bank Secrecy Act under those same, if, if we can get it to the Supreme Court, will be deemed unconstitutional based on the fact that it's the government using a private industry, the banks, to essentially create a dragnet in violation of the Fourth Amendment protections against unreasonable search and seizure. You have to get a warrant to go out and, and, and get that data. And you can't just force a private industry like the cell phone companies or the banks to, uh, to is going to be in the crosshairs. And, and that, that FinCEN announcement that came out yesterday is pretty scary. Frankly, there wasn't a whole lot new other than it did say that the non-custodial wallet companies um, are, are, are safe, which is good. So they, they, now, they now know they're okay. Uh, but everybody else is still in the crosshairs and it's a shot across the bow. I think that enforcement actions are, are going to, to only increase. And uh, if you are a, are a money transmitter that's not registered and not complying, it is unfortunately criminal in the United States. So this is why I think there is gonna be litigation here and uh, the industry needs a defense fund. And, and the privacy coins like Monero and Zcash and others, I think are gonna be in the crosshairs. So do you see Monero coming out on the other side of this? I mean, are, are, are we're gonna, obviously it seems like we're gonna face some tough times here. Um, so the, the, the whole cypherpunk ideal is that you build technology that essentially can't be regulated. Uh, let the technology win. Um, do you think ultimately the technology will prevail? Oh, yeah, I think that's clear. The problem is, will it come at significant personal cost to some people as a result? And, and this is why Wyoming's looking at safe harbors for open source software developers. We don't know what that's going to look like. And the problem is, again, for, for the wonky listeners on your show, anytime you touch interstate commerce, the feds have jurisdiction. So it's limited what you can do with a single state. But Wyoming invented limited liability companies and in 1977. So this, they've been around for a long time. And, and Wyoming, believe it or not, is number two behind Delaware in terms of new business registrations already. Wyoming LLCs have very strong privacy protections. The state just doesn't collect information that it can share with the feds, just uncollected. So that helps from a privacy perspective. Now, how does all that play into answering your question? The answer is there are some smart lawyers out there. I'm not giving legal advice here, but there are some smart lawyers out there who are looking at ways to ensure that all the transactions within the United States are actually within the state of Wyoming through Wyoming LLCs, through VPNs, through putting the servers in Wyoming, through putting course cold storage in, you know, military vaults that have been uh, abandoned by the military. You're saying all what, all which transactions? All? All, 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 all transactions for that, that, uh, that, that companies or protocols are trying to set up. You can do this. You can use some um, software. You, you, a lot of software foundations are set up in what's called a series LLC. Wyoming also has series LLCs as well. Start, I can't give legal advice on this, but I just dropped a bunch of really important breadcrumbs for folks who are trying to figure out how can I do this legally and protect myself against personal liability 
um, and 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 innovate. I, I love how Trace Mayer put it. Two things that, that I'd highlight from Trace. He talks about it, how important it is that what we do with technology is backwards compatible with the legal system, because if if it's not, then there is a fundamental clash coming. And so we do everything we can to make the legal system enable the technology. That is clearly what Wyoming's trying to do. And then yesterday he came out with the Representative Sherman quotes uh, that made its way around the internet where he's saying we should just ban all cryptocurrencies. We all know that's not possible. Um, I love Marshall Long's tweet. Hey, when China did this, I retired. He's right. Um, but but Trace put out a, a, a very thoughtful tweet as well. And he said, you know, good luck banning the Copernicuses uh, and the Galileos. And, uh, you know, you really can't ban math. And at the end of the day, that's what all of this is. It's just math. It's just speech. So we're doing everything we can. I'm fighting the good fight. I may not win, um, but we're doing everything we can to try to help developers make sure that you can innovate. Not that you can defraud. That's clear. But you can innovate uh, and, and, and release open source software projects and use open source software projects within the United States legally. Doing everything we can. We got a big uphill battle. How about, how about the users? So, I mean, you're talking mostly about the people developing, uh, building companies around cryptocurrency. How about the day-to-day -day users, people that are actually trying to use Monero as digital cash, for example? I mean, is there is there any fear there that even that could potentially uh, have some dark days or that's not, that it's so cut and dry that they, they, can't, they can't approach something like that? I mean, at that point, they're really kind of crossing crossing lines. Well, yeah. I mean, the problem with the, if you read the FinCEN guidelines, and I would encourage everybody to read it, Catherine Liu had an awesome um, annotated tweet that uh, brought you to her website, and she just had an amazing, uh, it'll take, it'll take you a half hour to just kind of skim it, and you'll see. And the problem is the, the law is written so broadly that it can capture everything, not just digital things. It captures flea markets. It captures classified ads. It captures eBay if you're doing that activity electronically instead of in the physical world. You know, it's it's it gives the again. I don't think this stuff's constitutional, but right now it's the law of the land, so everybody has to either follow it or take the, the legal risk in not following it and potentially have a defense strategy if they come after you. So it's written so broadly that right now the prosecutors can go after pretty much everybody. They actually even had a section in there about DApps uh, that essentially said, you know. If you're using the D app, then um, it, you know, and you're transmitting value or something that can be converted to value. I forget what the exact phrase was. Then, uh, then, then you can be prosecuted. So it's it's actually freaking scary when you read the the FinCEN language. It's not new, right? This is they, as they point out, it's not new. They, that's been out there since 2011. They just consolidated the guidance into one place so that this industry can now go understand what the laws are. And to be fair, they haven't been that aggressive yet, but they're starting to. And it usually takes the feds a couple of years to, to ramp up the enforcement action. So don't do anything without talking to attorneys. I hate to say that, but it's true. It's especially true. There's so many minefields. Uh, and unfortunately, I have to say, unless we can get this all fixed, a lot of these projects are going to stay outside of the United States. There are a lot of folks who can't come into the United States because they're uh, because of fear of prosecution and you know, they're prosecuting the Copernicuses and the Galileos. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it in Monero with uh, services that allow you to exchange instantly between Bitcoin and Monero, um, where those services are no longer being offered in the U.S. Um, what's your opinion? Do you have an opinion?
keen on Monero itself? Do you do you follow Monero at all? I do follow it. it from a technology perspective, it's great. I never talk about price, just because it. I, I actually find we don't we don't talk about price on this show either. Yeah. Once in a while. Fantastic. It's the least interesting aspect of the uh, of the crypto sphere. I you know I think it's great if the price is going up, but. Candidly, I also think it's great when the price is going down because then the mania slows down and the developers can get back to work instead of trading trading accounts every day. I watched it when I was at Symbian, you know, during the during the bluff top last time around. It was just distracting for everybody because you know people were having fun trading, and then when the winter came, everybody went back to work. So I actually see benefits in both. It's kind of funny. There's a live bull over here at this conference, though, so I guess that tells you that uh, people actually do care about price. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks for being on the show. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Right, Thanks, one. everybody. Thanks. Thank you. Good. Was, that, was that live or are you... Uh, that was live. Yeah, that was